seven song. Sing it.
we sense your presence here. What a treasure you are. You are the gift. Our exceedingly great reward. Come close tonight. Trust us with your heart, with your glory. This is our prayer. You'd show us your glory. And what Jesse preached this morning, the cloud of his presence would come. priests could not minister because of the weight of your presence. I want our hearts to be knit together tonight, church, in one accord, crying and panting, show me your glory. Show us your glory. This is wonderful. Stand in awe tonight with your faithfulness, the fact that you want to come so close and help us yield, Holy Spirit, to you. Lift Jesus so high tonight. We don't want to ever recover touch and so we lift our hands tonight Lord as, a, as an act of surrender we've come to glorify you we have no agenda but the wind of the spirit fall in this room do others tonight what you did to me here in this room 32 years ago well welcome everybody this is maranatha remnant ministries um, my name is christian gossett we just finished worship i stand in awe by jesus image and it was just amazing that you know, through this podcast, through social media, through Zoom, you know, we can't always meet all together, but we can all worship separately in different places. And, I, I, and, and I'm being totally honest, you know, me and Chelsea were in here praising the Lord and you can feel his presence here. Mm. And it's just amazing that he's there with you. Like you said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he's true to his covenant. He's true to his word. And uh, I just encourage you guys to participate in worship. That is one of the highest praises you can give the Lord is when you lift up your voice and you give him glory and you bring glory back into his name, right? So um, we have a guest speaker today and I'm so excited to hear his testimony. I've only heard bits and parts, but now I get to hear it from start to finish. So uh, I'm definitely excited for that. But before I introduce him, um, does anyone have any Praise reports, any testimonies they would like to share before we, we hop in.
anybody. Can the guest speaker share? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so recently, I got a new position at work. I, I would say not recently, but last January. Uh, so we have a recruiting position that opened up, first time ever in our department. And so I, 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 I honestly, I didn't want to put in for it at first, but a commander was like, you should do it. You'd be great at it. You love people. So I put in for it and uh, got the position. And man, it's been amazing what God has been doing uh, within the area. It's called the Professional Standards Bureau. Um, but people have come over to this area and they sense the change since I've been over there. And I, I, I pray in tongues. Um, uh, I read scriptures like under my breath in this area and literally like signs that these people had in their cubes. You know, which were not offensive, but, you know, officers can have like a different personality or humor, like stuff begin to come down um, off walls. Um, the way I choose to be a recruiter, um, I bring people in like because I was recruited. You're going to hear in the story of my testimony. I played college football. So um, I remember being brought into the stadium, shown my, you know, my jersey, my name on the scoreboard, all that stuff. So when people apply to our department, you know, I can't post everybody because I'm one person. But I try to go out of my way to bring people in, introduce them to command staff. Uh, show them the facilities, show them the equipment, and the feedback has been exceptional. Like they're like, man, I've never had an experience like this. You know, it's it's swaying people to apply more for our department because of the way they they feel treated. So really, just showing the love of God through through my life, through um, through my work, and it's just been it's been taken off. So it's a temporary assignment for one year, and so basically next January I'll go back to patrol. But it's talk of already keeping me because it's been such a um, phenomenal out, and I can't even take credit; it's just the Holy Spirit and me yielding. But the, the work has been amazing. So that I just wanted to share that. Glory to God. That's awesome. That's amazing. God, that's awesome. That is like, that's, that's, you're in your will house or what they always call it, your, your will. Your, yeah, your will house. Yeah. The thing is, is we get into that place where, you know, how does anyone start a ministry? How does anyone really get into the, the call of God or God's plan for their life? You have to start off doing something of that nature. You know, even if it's a small group, God has to trust you with the little to give you much, right? And the thing yeah. is, it's not even, a, what I'm not saying is it's not a small task because you have to also enforce the law, but then you also bring the kingdom and its laws, right? So I, I think that's amazing. That's so yeah. good. Can you guys hear me clear on the other yeah. side? Yes. Okay. Does yes. Any, okay, great. Does anybody else have anything to share? Any praise reports, any testimonies as God's done for them this past week? Come on, family. God is doing amazing things. Come on, come on. I, 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 do, I, I, have, I have one. All right, go for it. Uh, I had surgery yesterday, but before, but, but since they did that first surgery on April the 22nd, I was in pain, pain, pain. My whole body was just hurting. And I just wanted to get those temporary devices out for my bladder. So now, and then, and then I get praying and praying, and then two weeks I want to be fine. In two weeks I want to make, you know, make the difference in my health. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I'm not lying. After um, all that stuff they give you for pain in the hospital, it wore out this morning. I mean, like really, uh, the whole thing. But then I start, kept praying, praying, like, tell me, keep praying, praying scriptures, scriptures. And then that's one video you sent me from Nancy Dufresne. Yeah, she's awesome. She, uh, it, it, it's just started ministering um, to, to me a lot. And I'm in pain because I am, I had surgery yesterday, but I was worse last time. Come on. So this is a praise report, and I know that I'm going to get much, much better. And I told your mom 
your yeah, your mom to take a picture of me because this is what's going to be my last surgery. Come on, oh, so good. good. Go to God. Going good. You got to exercise your faith. I feel good. I'm feeling little, little by little. I'm feeling the difference in my body. Come on. Those wires that were uh, tangled in my in my uh, spinal cord, it was causing all kinds of problems in my whole body. Mm. So they took those out yesterday at the device that was temporary. Mm. So I feel a little bit free. Awesome. Just keep confessing the word. Man, yes. Those ceiling yes. those confessions by Nancy Dufresne, they're they're it's not her yeah. words, it's 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 the it's the Lord's words. That's what's setting yes. you free. That's what's bringing healing. Yes. Definitely, yes. Okay. So thank you for your ministry, Miho, and thank you, Lord and, and Jesus, that I'm I'm healed. Amen. Praise Jesus. Does anything does anybody else have anything to share? If not, I got two things. Um, so it was amazing. Uh, last, I believe last Thursday, I was, remember I told you that I, I prayed for the, for the cleaning lady last mm-hmm. week, remember, Rosa? Mm-hmm. I told her I met her and I saw that she was wearing like uh, a wrist strap and I asked her what happened to her. Make a long story short, she fell on the job. She messed up her ligament and her bone popped out. And they were fighting with her to try to cover the insurance and all this stuff. And I it, literally sometimes you only have a few um, minutes with people or even just a few seconds. But doesn't mean that it can't be beneficial, right? Um, if people can mute on their side, just so we don't get that audio feedback, that'd be great. If you guys... Yeah, thank you. And so anyways, um, I was... I told her about... Jesus, I told her about that healings for today. So I I laid hands on her. And, you know, the next day, so last Friday, I saw her without her wrist strap off. It was off. And I didn't have a feeling to talk to her. I felt like the Lord's like, well, just wait. Talk to her, you know, Monday. Or two. It was either Monday or Tuesday. I got a chance to talk to her again. I asked her, I said, how's your wrist been? She says, way better, way better. She's like, the bone that was sticking out, it went back in. <laughs> Literally, Jesus put that bone back in. And I said, what are you right now with ligament-wise? How do you, like, if you pick something up, where, where's the pain level? And she's like, well, it's about 50%. So I prayed for her again, right? See, there's nothing wrong with going back and praying for someone again. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, I know when I laid hands on her the second time, that healing anointing, that faith, right, that we have, that Jesus is the healer, is doing a 100% restoration to her wrist. So um, I haven't talked to her since, but I did notice that she's not wearing at all, like she was wearing this real thin bandage, and now that was completely gone the next day. So God's good. He's amazing. And then one more thing I got to share. This past Sunday, Father's Day, um... Me and my future brother-in-law, Marco, um, we went to the gym before church. And that's not like me. I don't, I don't go to church. I, don't, I, don't, I go to church. I don't go to the gym before church, all right? And because uh, I, I, I want to make sure that I'm always re- like have this reverence towards God. But I felt like God was like, no, go with him. So anyways, we're working out. And he was saying that he was having this deep, excruciating 
type of pain in his arm and it was his right it was under his right bicep so i knew it was like a ligament issue some sort of tendon issue um but he also had a little disformity it was like a cartilage or or whatever it almost seemed like it was a, a vein of, of some sort but it popped out of his flesh and it was abnormal so anyways he said i can't finish the workout i'm gonna wait by the treadmill so i'm finishing up my workout and i feel like the lord is telling me i want you to pray for him now he's not really he doesn't go to church he doesn't i don't know if he even really believes in the lord um he used to be a, a drug dealer so i mean he he's he's had a you know a rough a rough past but anyways so i was i get done with my workout i go and try to find him at the treadmills he's not there so i go into the locker room and he's there so i know he's in pain because he'd even do cardio and um so anyways he's like dude i'm so hurting i'm hurting and this was like the easiest way. So why I'm saying this, because I'm the principle of it is that we can make Jesus so relevant in people's life because he is relevant, but it doesn't be, it doesn't have to be hard to tell someone about Jesus. So I told him, I said, Hey man, you know what made Jesus real to me? That's so why I told him straight up. You know what made Jesus real to me, bro? Cause I told him I have to go to church and I have to get ready. I said, I've seen Jesus heal so many people. And it was only by his name that I've seen people healed. I've seen hundreds of people healed. I've actually prayed for hundreds of people and they've gotten healed. And I'm just telling them because I thought, you know, Jesus is either make-believe or he's a fairy tale or he doesn't exist. But I'm like, dude, he's real and he's alive. So I'm sharing the word with him. I give him John 10, 10. I give him John 14, verse 6. And then um, I also say, you know, it says in the word of God to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So we get in my car. And he's carpooling with me. We're driving. I'm telling him the word. And then we park in front of my father-in-law's house. We're about to go eat some menudo. And I told him, I said, what's going to happen is I'm going to put my left hand on your on your right bicep. You're going to feel warmth go into your arm. It's all the pain, all this comfort is going to completely leave you. And you're going to be healed. Amen. And he said... He stopped playing with me, bro. That's what he said to me. That's what he said to me. And I was like, no, dude, I'm being dead serious. He's like, are you serious? I said, yeah, watch. So I put my hand on his arm. And I said, in the mighty name of Jesus, I command you, spirit of infirmity, to leave him. His arm starts to shake uncontrollably. So I knew there was a stronghold there. I knew there was something there. But it doesn't matter. It says, he who is in me, right, is greater than he that is in the world. So anyways, I prayed that all the pain, his ligaments, his tendons, all that would be healed. Not even a 30-second prayer, nothing uh, extravagant, nothing eloquent. Take my hands off, and he starts going like this with his arm. And he said, what just happened to me? I said, well, Jesus loves you, and he healed you. And I grabbed my finger, and I tapped it on his chest, and I said, he really wants your heart, though. He gets out of the car. We're walking. He's in the middle of the street and he says, what the F? <laughs> He's still checking his arm. All the pain has left him. Chelsea is my witness. We come and sit down at the table and he looked like he saw a ghost. Mm -hmm. But really he had an encounter with the Holy Ghost. You feel me? And he got completely healed and completely just, just he said he was tripping. And that's what is so great is that we have family members that don't know the Lord. But we, we're able to minister and bring the, the gospel and the good news to them. 
So I just want to share that with you guys. Um, he's having back pain. Of course, the enemy is always going to try to attack someone that you pray for. But make sure that you follow up with them. Make sure that you're being a light to them. Make sure that you um, can tell them, hey, if Jesus did that for your arm, he can do the same for your back. He's Lord of all. I told him he's alive. He's king. So that's all I want to share with you guys. <clears throat> but um, before we jump in, let's, let's pray, okay? Let's all come in agreement. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you, Lord God, that we get to uplift um, my brother in Christ, Lord God, Denison, that, Lord God, you give him utterance through the Holy Ghost. That, Lord God, you'd give him words of wisdom, words of knowledge. But, Lord God, that you would just increase that anointing in him, Lord God. That you give him that endurance, Lord God, for the race that you set before him. That, Lord God, there'd be a peace upon him right now. That, Lord God, this is your podcast. Lord God, let it go out to the nations. Let many people be transformed by your word. But also that Denison's testimony will bring glory to your name. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, for all the men and women of God and even the people that don't know you, Lord, that they'll get an opportunity to have an intimate relationship with you. Lord God, I ask that every heart would be open today to receive. Every spiritual eye would be um, open to see, that you open the blind eyes, you open the deaf ears, Lord, that you'd open these ears to hear today, that, Lord God, whatever word that is preached today, Lord God, that it would minister to the hearts of men and women across the world. We thank you, Lord God, that you're impacting these nations for your kingdom. We give the glory and honor and power and praise, Lord God. This is your podcast. This is your ministry. Do what you may of it. Holy Spirit, you're fully welcome here. You have full dominion. You're the boss. And we give you the glory and honor and praise. Bless each and every person here right now. I command every demonic attack and operation of confusion and distraction and manipulation to leave in Jesus' name. That you will not have any type of ground in this podcast or in this ministry or any social media or Zoom that we record in Jesus' mighty name. We give you the glory and honor and power and praise. Amen. Awesome. So I'm going to welcome my brother, uh, Dennison Dawson, everybody. Give him a huge applause. That's awesome. Come on. Give him, give him a good. <laughs> Let's get rowdy. <laughs> All right. Brothers. Uh, well, uh, my name is Dennison. Like you said, Dennison Dawson. Um, currently, I'm 47, 46 years old. I got to remember my age. I feel so young. Um, I haven't been a believer my whole life. I found God in 2002. Um, I'm a native from Arizona, born and raised in South Phoenix, grew up in 7th Avenue and Baseline area. And then we also lived in the 40 block, which is between Baseline and Southern, between 48th Street and 40th Street. So if you guys are familiar with Arizona, those are really bad neighborhoods. I grew up with a rough, rough background, um, dysfunction. My mom and dad were both crack cocaine users. They had me at 16 years old, so I was a product of their high school relationship. They were never married. Um, never, you know, never stayed together after they had me. My mom had uh, my sister, who's older than me, already in high school as well. And so all my siblings have different fathers. Mom was never there. She was always chasing men and chasing drugs. And she's since recovered. And as I share this story, um, I always like to tell, let people know I've forgiven my parents, both of them. 
uh, for the abuse, the pain, and all the suffering that I went through. Um, after I found God, I had to let go of a lot of anger management and, and issues that I had. But God freed me of that. So I want you guys to know as I share the story that I don't hold any ill will toward my mother or my father um, based on my experiences. So growing up, my dad had custody of me. And uh, it's a cycle of violence, like people know. Those who are abused, usually abused. So my grandmother, which is his mother, who's no longer here, um, abused him, uh, beat him uh, very severely. And so a lot of that was displayed upon me from my father. And I think a lot of it had to do because uh, he had me young and I kind of interfered with his dreams of playing, uh, playing professional basketball. He was a good athlete in Arizona. Everybody who knows, like, I'm a junior, so when people see my name that are, are from here, they're like, is your dad Dennison Sr.? Like, they still remember him to this day on how good he was. Won two high school championships at East High, which is no longer here. Um, they tore the high school down, but he's just kind of a known legend for basketball. So I think a lot of his abuse came from the cycle, but also the fact that he was not um, able to pursue his career because of me. So he raised me. Um, mom was never there, like I said. Never saw my siblings. We all had different fathers. I, I learned very early on that um, anger and pain were, were going to be kind of my life growing up. And so I, I fought a lot in high school, um, elementary school and high school. I did find sports. Uh, football did kind of help me channel that anger. Um, I, I, become, I became a great football player on the field. I used that, that anger that I had on the field. And it got me a scholarship to the University of Nevada, where I graduated with my English degree. Through the process of my dad raising me, my mom came back into my life at one point, and she was going to move to California. And my grand, my grand, her dad, which is my grandfather, was taking care of my great-grandmother who had a stroke out there. And so she was going to go out there and be an in-home kind of nurse still. And so she asked me if I wanted to go out there. And I, of course I did. I wanted to chase after mom. I loved her. Um, I wanted a mother in my life. And I don't know why to this day my dad let me go. But that was literally, I could look at that as the fork in the road for my life. Because once I left South Phoenix, all my friends who I was growing up with, most of them got in trouble, committed crimes. Um, some served uh, time for homicides. Um, I got a good friend I grew up with who robbed an armored car, was doing federal time. Like all this stuff happened after I left and I was around all this environment. And it's amazing. Like, even though you don't follow God, like I wasn't raised in the church, I could look back in my life and see that his hand was upon me. And, and I had his anointing and protection because I was in environments that I could have easily made a decision uh, to be in the backseat of a patrol car and arrested and going to jail. And now at later in my life, I'm driving the patrol car. And I'm able to minister and help people. So he had a plan for my life the whole time that I wasn't even aware of. But I eventually moved out to California. My mom, uh, this house was full. It had all my aunts and uncles, uh, my, my grandfather's kids, her brothers and sisters. She gets into a fight with one of her brothers. She then comes back to Arizona. My mom was always a runner. At that point, I'm doing good out there. I'm starting varsity as a sophomore. And I asked my grandparents if they let me stay. And they're like, yeah, you, you, can, you can definitely stay. You're doing good. and Keep your grades up. So pretty much that's what happened is I stayed out there, uh, ended up getting a scholarship, which took me to uh, Reno, Nevada. And through this whole time, I'm still not really uh, a believer in God, even though I had my first encounter in high school. Um, we used to go to um, one of my friend's house. They would cook food and bring people over, and they knew food was a way to young kids' hearts. And they would take us to the Wednesday night Bible study. But in my heart of heart, I was really going there for the girls. I wasn't trying to learn about God at that time. And so, but that was my first encounter with God or learning about who God was. So when I go to Reno, I get reached out to by this church called the International Church of Christ. They're no longer together, but they were a huge organization in every city and state. This guy who reached out to me in Reno, I didn't end up taking his offer and coming to church, but 
when I moved uh, back to Arizona and graduated, the same guy that I saw in Reno, I saw down here at a church here at a conference. And him and I lit up and we saw each other. And I knew at that point to see the guy that uh, in two different locations who had reached out to me, I felt like this is my calling. I got to get right. And I studied the Bible with this church. You know, they they were a very uh, legalistic church um, where you had to study the Bible. Uh, they really taught discipleship. But if you weren't converted in their church, they thought like um, other believers weren't um, true believers per se because they didn't know the word or study it in the true conversion way. Matthew 28, making disciples of all nations. They really followed it. And although it was legalistic, I really learned a lot about the Bible. They had a word study teaching about the word of God. They had a church study teaching you, you know, um, how important the church is and to be a part of it. Uh, light and dark study, going through sin and how it separates you from God. Uh, the cross study. They had all these different studies kind of breaking down discipleship. So I didn't see things that as, as a young Christian in this church that I would later see. But I ended up studying the Bible and uh, one night got baptized in a pool. And that was pretty much the change or the start of the change in my life. And that was in 02. So in that process, I was out of college, got my degree, not knowing what I want to do in my life. Um, working at, I had good jobs out of college, but you know, I, my major was English, but I didn't want to teach or go on a law. So I was working at Bank of America doing credit card fraud. And I met a friend of mine and she wanted to be a Phoenix police officer. And she was like, I was training part-time at a gym and Bank of America. And I, I said, come up to the gym and I'll train you for free you know, get you into shape. And so that's what happened. She came, got her into shape. She got on with Phoenix and she's like, you should do this. Now growing up, I didn't hate police officers growing up. Um, I never got in trouble. Thank God. It's, it's amazing with the environment that I was in, you know, sure. I shoplifted, you know, all that stuff. I had to be honest about it in my background. I stole something before, but I never did the stuff that I was surrounded by. Like they were, they were shooting. Um, they, they were selling drugs, doing, it was just amazing what I was around and didn't partake in it. So I kind of thought about it. I'm like, well, I mean, corporate America really wasn't feeling my, I, I wasn't feeling that energy of being in the cube. You know, I like people, I like being out. And so I'm like, okay, I'll go through the motions. But, you know, 2002, there was no internet. You know, I filled out a paper application. Um, I was in shape, got through the physical, the written. I started to pass things and I was a new believer. And I just said a prayer. I'm like, God, is this what you would have for me? And I felt like I heard yes. So I moved forward through the process. And here I am 19 years later. Uh, being on the force and I can retire this November with 20 years on and it's been an amazing journey to see how my life has impacted people that I've arrested come into contact with I've had people cry on the way to jail uh, with me you know because I, I I feel the spirit tell me things to say to them and I'll say it to them and they'll be like I was just thinking that one guy like I had a dream and you're saying exactly what was in my dream and to the point where we get to the jail and they want a hug for me they're like Will you just give me a hug and so I hug them and they're crying and you know, I, I mean, I've given my personal number out to people. Uh, this one lady um, I had to arrest because she was doing drugs in her car. Found out she relapsed on dope and she didn't want her fiance to know. And so she was in a car all day long. So people called on a suspicious vehicle and I get there and there's paraphernalia everywhere. I mean, she had been in the car doing drugs all day. And so I get her out of the car and of course I have to arrest her because of everything that she has on her. But I've always operated because I come from the other side of the tracks that I've always treated people even aside from being a believer, I know what it's like to live in that kind of environment. So I've always treated people like the golden rule, you know, doing to others as you would have done on yourself. And I just try to show people love. And she's like, can I call my fiance before you take me? And I'm like, yeah. So I let her call on my cell phone. They're both crying. And I just ministered to her on the way to the jail. And I, I didn't preach scripture, you know. And a lot of how my ministry is like, I don't know, like the word like my brother does, like Christian can preach. He'll quote a verse in the chapter like, I don't memorize the word like that, but when I'm with people, the word flows out of me. 
and I just shared it with her and how much God loves her and she can change. She can get off drugs. And she's another one. She was crying when she got to the jail. I gave her my personal cell phone number. A year later, she reached out to me on Christmas. And uh, I I read it to the family, Miranda and her father, my my kids. And I said, look, listen to this text. She's like, I've been clean for a year. And she credited our encounter as to being clean. She's like, I have a one-year ceremony coming up at Narcotics Anonymous. Would you be willing to come? And I'm like, yeah, I'll go. And I go to this experience, I mean, this meeting, and it was just such an amazing experience because here I am, they introduced me as um, not a sponsor. I forget what I, what they called me, a supporter or something for her. But she tells the story how we met and the looks on all the people's faces in there. They could not believe a police officer was sitting in there in a Narcotics Anonymous meeting uh, with people that were arrested or had negative encounters with law enforcement. And as she begins to share the story, you just you can see people's eyes. And so um, afterwards, I don't know if you guys are familiar with these organizations. They pray, but they don't pray to Jesus. They don't pray to God. They all kind of, it's like a divine, you know, universe kind of a prayer. It's not like Jesus Christ, but at the end, we all got together and we prayed together, but I was able to lead the prayer and I led it in a, in a Jesus Christ way. Man, we're all hugging in there, crying, you know, uh, they were, they're taking pictures with me. They're like, why won't more officers do this? And I, honestly, I don't know why profession or why some officers don't um, step outside the uniform and, you know, allow themselves to be intimate and vulnerable and connect with people. I mean, we're all different, but I feel like my, my career is my ministry, so I'm able to branch out and do those things. But these are the kind of experiences, like I can go on and on about those experiences that I've had in law enforcement, and it's been totally designed. My calling and my purpose was to go out and serve and protect, not just to arrest people, but to really minister to them. And I remember growing up as a child thinking I didn't even want to be here. You know, dad was abusive. And there was no mom. You know, I would cry. I had suicidal thoughts as a kid. You know, I'm not ashamed to tell people, like, I didn't want to be here. Like, I would go to my wife friend's house and see how they lived. You know, Christmas trees up, presents. I, I didn't grow up with Christmas trees. Uh, we didn't decorate. Dad didn't do any of that. And I would lay in bed at night, like, just crying, asking God to kill me, kill him. And I didn't understand why I was born into this situation. But growing up and seeing where I've come from and where I'm at now, I realized that although I wasn't born equally or the same as other people, my journey was to prepare me for what was what was my purpose and what was my book and what I was to walk into. Um, I'm not saying that in a way that God did that to me or allowed that to or, or it happened. I'm saying that sometimes we go through things that you don't realize that are defining moments for your life and your future, and it's going to help someone else. You're going to impact someone else. And I've seen that my, my abuse and my pain has come full forward to a blessing and has been a, a light and a ministry to other people. And I've been even to the point where people would hear my story and they're like, man, you should write something. Right before I met my wife, I've been married for seven years. And right before I met her, it was about like a three or four year window during our marriage and prior that I was hearing uh, multiple people hear my story and said, say that. So I finally took it serious. Like one day I'm like, you know what? Maybe there's something here the Holy Spirit is telling me. I'm not a writer, even though I majored in English. I jumped on a website at the time. I don't know if it's still there, canliterary.com. Looked in there. They gave you um, a template depending on what book you were writing. Um, you put your email in there. You get a free one, free a template. So I put my email in there. And I, I my, my story is more of a motivational, overcoming, um, inspirational story. So I got that template. I started writing to it. It kind of showed you how to structure, do an introduction, chapter your, your, you know, chapter your chapters and stuff like that. But what I realized is once I started to write the book, the book just flowed from me. And literally, I had a vision sent to me in the midst of writing the book. The, the Holy Spirit gave me a cover, uh, gave me the title and everything. And he's like, you were to call it front seat of the car. 
So picture looking in, um, the cover's all white, and I uh, the vision I had was you're looking through the windshield of a police car, and as you look in, the windshield is clear, but it's cloudy on the outside, but you can tell it's a, a police car, but it's kind of hazy. So you look in and you see me in the front seat and the little boy, me in the back seat, with the title above it, front seat of the car. And so literally the book is like walking people through the journey, how I could have been in the back seat of the vehicle, going to jail or doing whatever, and I'm in the front seat of the vehicle driving. And so the book's not just about law enforcement because I get intimate and vulnerable in there. I talk about my relationship decisions, my poor choices with, you know, moving women in, being a womanizer, having sex out of, out of marriage, you know, all that stuff before I found my wife. Because I feel like we need to not only be the front seat of our lives in a career, but relationships, finances, spirituality. Like you need to be in the front seat of your life in all areas and never be in the back seat being dri driven around by circumstances. So really this book has been become this project that's kind of taken this this whole other life. And right now it's in um, final editing uh, stages right now. And even that through our church that we go to, me and Christian, um, the Hobums, uh, you know, I'm Drew, I mean, uh, Drew and uh, Michelle. Their dads, uh, their parents have both written books. And so God has even provided people within the ministry. They took, they're like, as soon as they heard the story, like, we'll help you edit it. They put it in a book format. And I just recently found a professional editor who was willing to do the project for 200 bucks on a professional edit. So really God is bringing this story together. And I'm like, man, I could see like not, life. You don't realize how important your life is. And we all go through things. Everyone here is feeling some something at some point. It may not be uh, suicidal thoughts or anything like that, but we all experience something. And what you don't realize is that you're not alone in those experiences. Other people around you are either feeling similar things. Uh, they want to feel a way out. They want connectivity, especially in this world of disconnectivity, you know, through Internet or whatever. And you, you're, you're although it may be pain right now, your pain is purposeful. It will it will heal others. It will guide others. Uh, there'll be a light that will shine through you like no other. And you can overcome any circumstance. And that's that's what I feel like my life is. And I'm not even done yet. I've been through so many things. Like I said, I'm 46 years old and I still have more book to write, or more of my book to live out that God has written for me. And it's been an amazing journey, although it's been painful in the past. It's been such an amazing journey. Once you find your purpose and your resolve and your relationship with God and understand why you're here, it's 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 so refreshing. It's that peace that Christian talked about in the in the beginning of the segment. That peace that transcends all understanding when you know why you're here, when you know what what love is, what it feels like to be loved, when it, what it feels like to give love, you know, not just to your family, your, your spouse, your your children, but to truly love your neighbor as yourself. Always tell people at work, I am my brother's keeper. And I love that. You know, and I actually heard that saying first before the word. I heard it. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys remember New Jack City with uh, Wesley Snipes. And they would say that all the time, like, I'm my brother's keeper. You know, but they were doing bad stuff and, you know, they were misleading people. But I really love that because we, we are each other's brothers and sisters. Keep we if, if I don't look out for you, how can I look out for myself or take care of myself if I'm take care of others? It's like such a reciprocating energy by me doing for you and loving you and showing you love. You know, while you're going through something, I stand in the gap with you and help you overcome your thing. You know, and then we, we pick each other up that way and we just carry each other forward. So. I've had a great experience, although painful at times, and it's still, the world's not perfect. There still hurts, but I've learned how to focus um, my channel, my energy through the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And I don't, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have too many bad days. Like despite what I've been through and what I've seen, and even on the job, I've seen death. I've seen the body dismembered in ways you shouldn't see it, you know, working as a motor officer, 
I've seen uh, suicides. I've seen, I was a negotiator. People have killed themselves on the phone with me, you know, trying to negotiate them. I mean, I've been through some, some things that, you know, people would go see counseling or have PTSD over. And I, I don't feel like affected by it. I mean, I just, I mean, it's sad, but it doesn't like, I don't carry that stuff because I just surrender to God and, you know, I just want to make a difference every day. So I just wanted to share a little bit of, you know, about me and I was honored to come out here and it's an honor to be here. Um, but mainly just remember we're all in this together and we can all overcome. Everybody's going through something. So don't give up, keep loving God, keep sharing that light and love, you know, and understanding that even though you don't know your purpose right now, because I'm sure there may be somebody out here like, man, what am I, what do I, what do I want to do? What am I doing? What do I want to work? All that, all those questions, just be patient, keep seeking. It's coming. Breakthroughs coming. Peace is coming. Just got to just don't, you got, don't let Satan whisper in your ear and distract. Just stay focused. And it's sometimes it doesn't happen in our time frame and what we want it to be. And that's the key is just being patient. So that's just what I wanted to share. Wow. That is powerful. That testimony is, is, is to say the least <laughs> is amazing. Just to see how God just was there for you the whole time. How yeah. God was giving you grace and strength and taking you out of, situations where you maybe should have been dead you know what i mean or or could have went a whole different route but you had an encounter with the lord and now he's using that past pain and you know things that you've dealt with trials and and, and just circumstances for his glory and now you can really speak to a lot of people man i mean it's i mean they really ministered to me um does anyone have any questions for for yeah. Denison or anything like that do a question and answer because I I mean it's not where you get to talk to an officer and people that have seen what I've seen so yeah if you have any questions but real quick Christian I forgot since you said that I I I I've escaped death twice that I know of for sure I mean who knows on the job with what I do where God is protecting me that I don't know of but there's two I know of and one was when I was in college earning my spot as a running back you I don't know if you guys know but as a college athlete they want to earn your spot there the more time you spend at the university. Um, away from home and there, more likely or not, you're going to be able to earn a, earn a spot or start because you're there, you're studying, you, you know, you're working out, you see your progress. So I decided to go back early one Christmas break. My, um, I call him a brother. He's not a brother biologically, but we went to high school together. He was a senior and I was a freshman. He ended up dating one of my aunts and uh, they got not, not married, but they had a kid together, transitioned out here to Arizona. He was telling me about this party. He's like, man, you should stay don't go back. And I'm like, I was so focused on what I wanted to do. I'm like, man, I got to go back. I want to earn the spot. He's like, it's going to be nice. It's like all my, all all of his boys at the time. And so I was that close to staying because he made it sound so and it was going to be this big party. And plus I loved him and looked up to him. He was like a brother to me and I was almost going to stay, but I went, I get a call, um, that later on when when the party was that Saturday, but later on that, that weekend that he was shot and killed at this party, him and one of his friends, there was a fight that broke out between um, two females. He broke up the fight. The boyfriend thought he was a little rough with his girlfriend, went out to the car, got a gun, came in and shot him in the stomach and killed him. And then his buddy who ran, shot and killed him. And I was just like, not only devastated because I lost my brother, um, but I was thinking I could have been at that party. Like, easily if I'd have stayed, I would not have watched him get shot and killed and my life would have ended there. That was one occurrence. The second one was on my police motorcycle. I was on my way home. I lived in Maricopa. 
at the time. And uh, the witnesses said prior, when I, I, I ended up rearing in a vehicle at 45 miles an hour. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, uh, the 347, it breaks up at Riggs Road. And uh, the light was a red and traffic's coming to a stop. And the witnesses said I was kind of weaving in my lane on the motorcycle. I plowed in this vehicle so hard, there was three feet of intrusion into the SUV. I was throwing off my motorcycle. Um, I had a severely fractured wrist where my skin was the only thing keeping it on. I had four pins and a plate, and they had to rebuild my carpal tunnel. Um, I had head trauma. Um, I, I, I didn't weak it was. I didn't have brain bleed, but a severe head trauma. I was air back to County Hospital. The amazing thing about this story is this is when I started to transition seriously because what happened right on scene, MCSO deputies used my police motorcycle radio to call our dispatch. They coordinated the unit um, to air back me off the freeway to County Hospital. There was a nurse um, who worked in the city who treated me on thinking that same nurse when I got to County was my attending nurse. So it was like, it's rare you have first responders immediately after like a traumatic incident. I had police there. I had a nurse attending me. Same nurse treated me at the hospital. I know I don't remember everything because I had trauma, but when I was in ER, there was a presence that spoke to, it was like almost, I didn't see a light like people described, but I felt like my body was a microphone at, at the cellular level. And what I mean by that, like I felt like there was a resonant voice over my entire body and it spoke, I'm not done with you. And although I had head trauma, I, I didn't know what day of the week it was. I didn't remember, you know, who people were until my, my, he my head healed. I vividly remember that spiritual encounter in the ER. And it was clear. And so I know that, that you know, look, but there's so much that's happened in my life. That's why I pray to the spirit, because I've almost feel like I've lived nine lives because there's so many things. You said that I, I, I know two encounters where I almost could have been. there yeah can, can you hear me i think you kind of broke up just a little bit on zoom hey okay. cynthia do you mind if you can mute it real quick cynthia on your end please you're good um can you say that la that last little bit you're on mute dennison you're on mute there you go there, just finish yeah. that last bit where you're in the er so there was a presence that came over my body and the best way to describe it was I didn't see a light or anything like that, but it was almost like my body was a microphone at the cellular level. And I clearly heard a voice say, I'm not done with you yet. And although I had head trauma and I couldn't remember what day of the week it was, um, I had a nurse that was assigned to me after the collision to drive me around because the department wanted me to take, um, I had to do a neurological test, an EKG, a nuclear stress test. Uh, a narcolepsy test at the Mayo, all this was at the Mayo Clinic because they didn't understand why this incident occurred. Um, and I had a nurse drive me around because I had such head trauma. And even though I had the head trauma, I vividly remember that encounter in ER where the voice was speaking through my body saying, I'm not done with you yet. And my life, that was in 2012 of April. And after that happened, my life changed tremendously spiritually. Um, I met my wife later on. Um, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because I wasn't like most believers. I didn't know about the Holy Spirit until I met my wife. She came from a Holy Spirit church, Living Word Bible. And I, I was never taught that. The church I went to thought that the first century were the only ones who had the gift uh, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And it died with the apostles. So we weren't taught the power and our authority and, you know, all that. So I didn't have that encounter until my wife. But my whole life began to change. I began to have visions, dreams, um, prophetic dreams about people. Uh, they, God, I would have dreams about people and specific things 
And then I would awake with a message and I thought it was the oddest thing. And I, at first I was scared to reach out to the people because I was told to call them. And then I, I said, you know what, I got it. It's so powerful and real. I got to do it. And soon as I started doing that, people would break down and cry. One person got mad at me. They thought I was gossiping. They're like, who told you this? And actually this person was one of our ex-chiefs. And him and I became good friends when I was a motor because he was a motor. And I, I said, I had this dream about you. And this is what happened. And he thought that somebody was talking bad about him. And I said, no, this is what happened. And this is what God told me to tell you. He starts crying on the phone. He had been going through such stress with city council and everything that he had been going through. He felt tor tormented and attacked. And he just broke down and cried. Like, I, I started having these supernatural uh, encounters after the collision. Like, and ever since then, it's continued. Like, my life's grown after that near-death experience. Spiritually, I, I've continued to have this prophetic, like, gifting. It's it, it, Something happened there. Um, I don't know if, it, if I was not, well, I know for a fact I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. And I don't know if that was a jump start spiritually, but something happened in April of 2012 that platformed me in this area of spiritual growth and uh, connectivity with the Holy Spirit, understanding my power, my authority, uh, just just everything. Wow, <laughs> that is uh, amazing. I mean, just to think not only once, but twice, that the enemy had this attack, this operation against your life. And God's like, nope, I'm not done with you. And actually, I'm going to start increasing those spiritual gifts in you. So you can bring glory to his name. I, I'm I'm just like, I'm so shocked. Like, I'm hearing his testimony for the first time. Like I said, I've only heard bits and parts. But this is like, wow. I, I'm like, I'm almost speechless. And it's really hard to get me speechless. <laughs> so, because um, <laughs> I've been through a lot and I, I've seen a lot. But man, this is like, it's just amazing. The, yeah. Just how God, like how good God is and how merciful and how faithful and just his covenant with us. It's just, man. And like, I just don't understand. Like, I'll never understand his patience, like how he waits for you, mm. you know, because he's got things that he needs to do through you. And if he doesn't get them through you, he'll find someone else to move through, of course. But he wants to use you. And he's just so patient. Like, I, I feel like I've wasted about 10 years of my life that I could have been actively doing what I'm doing now and ministering and helping people. But I still wasn't willing to get out of my own way. You know, and 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 that what I mean by that is I was still having premarital sex. I was a surrendered. You know, I moved women in. I let them have access to my finances. Um, I, I made poor uh, financial decisions behind them. Uh, right before I met my wife Miranda, I was in a relationship. She, turned out she was an alcoholic. I was actually engaged to her. I could have married her. She got a DUI, which was the final final thing. Mm -hmm. um, and she actually assaulted me, like slapped me one night. Like it was just a mess. And after that relationship. I surrendered. I remember crying at my counter top in my house at the time. And I'm like, I'm done, God. I mean, I'm, I'm done doing it my way. I give up. I was so broken. I was tired of being hurt, being taken advantage of, cheating, cheated on, you name it. You know, I was always chasing. And that's another thing I had to figure out. I was always chasing love in the wrong way because I didn't have mom there. And it's so important to have two parents. And what I had to do was look in the mirror at myself and be like, why am I choosing these types of women? They are who they are there's got to be something in me that needs to be fixed. And as soon as I did that, I started to realize that I was attracted to a certain type of woman because of what I was going through. And once I figured out what I need to do to heal me and get healthy and surrender to God and do it his way, my, my wife literally came a week later. I was at church with mutual friends. Um, they knew of my ex and they're like, they saw the, the turmoil and all that. They're like, you got to meet Miranda. 
and I was so skeptical, man. I was, I was done. I was hurting. Um, but they set it up where we went on these friend dates, not even like they didn't tell her they were trying to hook us up and we went out to happy hour and just did friend stuff and, and her and I connected, you know, and then from there going on dates, five months later, we were married. It took five months because I mean, uh, five months was quick for us because I had been through some stuff already. And so did she in previous relationships. And once we came together, we just knew it, it was, it was perfect. Like and she was, she was everything spiritually. Uh, she had her own business financially. You know, most of the women I dated, I had to take care of, or I extended my credit or balances to them. And she came on the table with that. Like we connected in so many different, her, her ministry, as far as her purpose aligned with me. And I always tell people, you can be unevenly yoked spiritually. You don't have to be unevenly yoked with just a non-believer. Sometimes you can be with someone who's saved and maybe doesn't want to be on the front line like you or do the things that you want to do spiritually or called to do. And so thank God. I and, and I don't have any judgment on that person. You know, they're still going to heaven. They're saved. But I want to be with somebody who's like wants to be on the front line. I'm a warrior. I want to be out there battling, uh, helping, serving, protecting, not just as a peace officer. I realized that my career ultimately was later the giftings that God has given me to be on the front line or protector. But my wife is the same way. Like she's out there doing it. She's got podcasts. She's writing books too. Like, so we're, we're evenly yoked spiritually. And all that came from surrender, from serenity, from getting out of my own way and choosing like, you know what, God, I'm done. And he rewarded me a week later. And so now we are building this, this, this ministry together of, you know, books, um, uh, stuff online. You know, we got an LLC. We're going to get going. We just want to we just want to do an outreach, which is huge, and we, we're joining together. And she's got her gifts, I got my gifts. She's got her ministry, I got my ministry. But we're coming together as a ministry as well, and that just came through surrendering. I have a question. Yeah, go, go for it. So I loved how you said, um, you know, during your work, it's it could be stressful, but you're saying that you have this peace, even though you've seen like these horrible things, like murders and. Now, how do you maintain that peace? Like, do you meditate on the word? And what does your, you know, like spiritual schedule look like? Yeah. You're off, obviously operating from the overflow, right? Because no one would be like, you know, have all this peace in those situations and just ministering the gospel to the people, you know, you're arrested. That's, that's, you're operating, you know, um, yielding to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's the answer right there. You just answered it. Like, I fill myself up. I can literally show you, and I, I, Christian, I can show you. I have an app in my phone. We all have a known app, but I literally have apps of scriptures that have spoken to me that I read every day. I have prayers that I read, that read, wrote, wrote down. Um, I read the Ephesians prayer over me and my family every day. Like, I really, the overflow is, that's such a good word. I'm putting so much word in me that when I'm in these terrible situations, um, the word is coming out of me. It's like a sponge that you, you soak it up with water. When you squeeze it, the water comes out, but you got to refill that sponge. And so I equate my spiritual walk with the same as working out. You know, we'll go to the gym and we'll pump weights. We'll get on the treadmill. We'll do all these things to take care of our body. But a lot of times we're not operating spiritually like that. It's a constant workout. Satan is a distractor. He's a, he's, he's trying to, uh, uh, uh take away and God wants to multiply. So I got to keep investing in the spirit, keep praying and meditating. And even at work, um, when I didn't have the Holy Spirit, you know, I prayed. Oh, I, I mean, this Holy Spirit was always with me, but I didn't know about him and how to speak to him and pray in tongues. But when I learned about praying in tongues, I do that at work now. And I'm going to tell you, man, that, I mean, that's energizing. Like, it, you could be in the most ugliest situation. I, I go in the most dirtiest homes, you know, hoarder houses, or, you know, or being with someone who was raped, or a kid who was molested, or seeing somebody's body dismembered, or 
you know, you name it. And I pray in the spirit. And it's just, it's such a protection because he gives you compassion. He fills you up, but he gives you compassion for those circumstances, what to say to those people, how to show them love. Another example I could give you real quick is a suicide I went to. It was on Thanksgiving. They found their son dead. They hadn't heard from him in uh, about a week. So they go to the, his house where he's renting. Well, we get there. They call us. We are investigating this to death. We until it's ruled otherwise. Uh, interviewing the roommates and everything. Detectives come out. I'm assigned to the family. We're out in the street near the curb. The family's sitting down. Everybody's shaking. It was her son, the mom, and a friend, visibly crying and shaking. And again, I just start showing them love, ministering to them. I spent about an hour, hour and a half out there talking to them. By 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 the time that time was up, they're laughing and joking. Uh, they're telling me about their lives what they do, what their hobbies are, what their interests are. Um, at one point, the mother's like, can I take a picture with you? And I was so taken back when she asked that. I'm like, they just lost their son. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, so we get up, we're taking this big old picture together. And afterwards, when I walk away from them to the other officers, they're like, what's going on over there? Like, what are you, what are you doing? I said, I just started, because my officer, I don't hide it. They know I'm a believer. You know, they know who I am. I, I don't hide. I just, I started, I told them I started loving them. I just started saying things to them. And one thing, one thing it did is it took away the, the sting of death. Jesus took away the sting of death and filled it with love through me. And it was such a moment I'll never forget. They lost a loved one, but they want to take a photo with me. You know, so this is the kind of thing that when you're in these tough situations, and it's not just for an officer or somebody who works as that in that profession, you can do this in traffic, under stress, a test, uh, you name it. You just, just pray in the spirit, rely on God, keep, keep putting it in there. And there's days, I'm going to be honest with you, there's days I feel like it ain't working. There's days where, like, man, I, I feel like Satan gets me. He's like, man, you're just reading through a list. You're just reading through a list. You're just checking the box. And I'm like, you know what? No, I'm not, because this is scripture that I've written down. I'm meditating on the word. I'm getting it in my cells. It's getting in my body. Be quiet. I'm not. I'm not. And so you got to fight that um, him in your ear or your head telling you you're just you're reading the same thing every day. I'm like, so it's the word of God. I'll read Ephesians over my family every day. You know, so I just I have affirmations which are words of encouragement that I wrote, wrote down for my life that I want to see come true because I believe the power of the tongue, speaking life and death, as James says, I believe you can create your future, not like how the world sees it, like in a universal, oh, you speak it in the universal to come to you. No, if you command it in the name of Jesus and you believe it, everything you ask you shall receive. So I, I have affirmations, things that I want to accomplish in my life as a man, as a husband, uh, uh, whether it be financially, all this stuff. I read through that list every day. And I'm going to tell you, it's a workout. And it takes all day. And that's fine. I carry my phone with me. I just pull it out, start reading. I'll start reading apps or scriptures. So you do this all day long. And so when you show up to these moments, you're ready for this game. This, it's like the fight you're ready for it because you've been preparing. You've been training. You've been in battle. You've been working out. You've been hydrating your body. You're ready for it when you go into that, that dead body or this domestic violence call where someone's beat up. Or, you know, you go into this horrible scenario because you, you're the light bringer because you're so filled with light. You've been training and you prepare for this very moment. And so that's that's kind of how I do it. I just I got to keep staying refreshed. I tell Miranda when I come home, I'm like, Miranda's my wife. I'm like, I don't know how people do this job and they don't have a connection with God. They're, I come, I'm like, if I didn't literally have I, I would come home so drained, exhausted, mentally wore out that I've been lower level energies all day long. I have to constantly deflect Satan's energy. Everything I go to is a lower level energy. I'm seeing people at their worst moment. They don't call the cops until it's their worst moment. And every call is like that. It's, it's not like you're you're going to get a cat out the tree or some happy moment like a firefighter. We're going to the worst of the worst. It's somebody's worst time in their life and they're calling us. So you have to constantly bubble yourself in the Holy Spirit. You have to constantly bubble yourself in the Word of God. 
And I don't know how my counterparts do it because I work with a lot of people who don't believe. And, you know, so that's kind of how uh, I think that answers. I just keep, you know, keep putting it in there. I got to keep putting it in there. And I got to block Satan when he says, oh, you're just you're just going through the motions. You're just reading. You're just reading. Yeah, I am reading. I meditate on the word, like it says, day and night. So good. That's yeah, man, that's so see. The thing is, when, when you're built like a warrior, you got to train like a warrior for the kingdom. And at, that's kind of how I roll, too, man. Like there's not a, like if you got some downtime, put the word in. You know what I mean? You, you really you, you make time for things that are important. Right. And I believe just being as a warrior, you know, being a son, being a daughter to the to the kingdom of God, we have to be prepared for every situation. You know, it says be diligent, be vigilant, right? Be sober-minded because your adversary goes to and fro like a roaring lion to see whom he may devour. And the thing is, is that if we don't stay on top of it, we have the enemy working overtime on their behalf to take us out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's awesome. Does anyone else have any questions? Go for it. Oh, I was just wondering, you said you forgave your parents. I was just wondering, how did you do that? Well, I had to do it personally with God. Because um, you don't realize, like, you think you forgive people, but you don't really forgive them sometimes, you know. And so I had to do it personally with God. And and it took a while. I'm, I'm, I'm still in forgiveness, actually, because I don't have a great relationship with my dad. And my wife can attest to this. He calls me. I think he he, he doesn't forgive himself when he did it. But he'll call me on the phone just to hear my voice, and he rushes off the phone. I try to keep him on the phone and get some depth of conversation and and connect with him and he doesn't know how to do it and it, it saddens me because i'll never have the relationship that i want to have with my father before him or i go and uh, it's a constant forgiveness my mom the same way she doesn't see her grandchildren she never comes over if i don't call her to see how she's doing she, i got two boys here she don't she don't see and so it's a constant forgiveness um that i have to always keep working on because it hurts my heart that my, my boys don't know their grandparents like they don't. They know Miranda's side of the family, but my side so dysfunction. They don't. They know him, but they, they don't. They don't have this relate. Like that should be his papa. My dad should be his papa. My my, my mom should be his his non or grandma, and they don't even see him. You know. So I I hurt for my kids because they don't come around. So it's a constant forgiveness. Um. Yeah, just it's me constantly going to God, and I've actually had these talks with both of them. Um, I didn't keep having them. I had one talk with my dad and one with my father, and I said to both of them, I forgive them you know, for what happened. And even with this book coming out, um, it's caused a little tension in the family because I'm being intimate and vulnerable. And um, I decided to change the names because it caused such a backlash. Um, people were upset, my, my siblings, my mom. My dad is the only one who's like, son, you tell the story. He's like, I wasn't a good father to you. He's, and I'm a junior anyway, so I know who the author is because my name is a junior. I mean, who my father is. But he's the only one who said, you know, tell the story. But everybody else, you know, it was such an uproar. Decided to change the names, and I'm going to put in there. You know, the names are not the same names as the real people, but the stories are real. But I just forgave them, and I, I can't let. If I don't forgive, I can't grow. You know, if I don't, if I what my dad and my mom did to me, I won't be able to be the man I'm supposed to be. And I'm already breaking the chain with my kids. Like I, I kiss my boys, I hug them, I, I dote on them. You know, I wrestle with them, I play, I do things with them. My dad has never done. He never has kissed, held me in his arms and said, "I love you, son. I'm so proud of you." You know, I, I would long for that, for a father to love me and hug me like that. And I'll never have that. And I, I, it, that does sadden me in a way, but I don't let it sadden me to a, a sorrowful state where I let Satan get in there. It does sadden me that I will never have that here on earth. But obviously our Heavenly Father's given me that 
but I still would like to have experienced an earthly father to love me, guide me, protect me, teach me how to be a man. I had to learn how to be a man the hard way on my own, making mistakes with finances, with women. You know, poor, I, I didn't have a, a male a male figure. So I just have to keep forgiving to your, to your question. I, it's a constant forgiveness because Satan will try to use that stuff. And I found right in this book, there was a lot of pain that was in there that I didn't realize because it was, I was telling the story again and it's like ripping off that wound, you know, it's healed up. So you thought, but then you're bleeding again and now you're crying. And now you feel like that six kid who wanted to die. So you just got to keep forgiving, keep have filling your heart with love, not letting hate get in there, not a even though they continue to hurt you because my father still, he don't beat me anymore because I'm a man and I, I broke the cycle of violence, but he continues to hurt me by how he treats me and my children. My mother continues to hurt me, how she treats me and my children. Ongoing, in my family, it's an ongoing forgiveness, one that I have to constantly be in repentance of and make sure that um, I'm, I'm not holding forgiveness in my heart. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. That's a good question, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, just make sure, you know, everyone stays muted so we can hear so we don't get any feedback. Um, does anyone else have any other questions? I have. Okay. So, can you hear me? You're on mute. Okay, I'm sorry. Can you hear me now? Yeah, just hold on one second. Hold on one second. All right, does anyone have any questions for Dennison? I don't have a question, but I just wanted to say something to him. Okay, go for it. Okay, I wanted to say thank you for your service. God bless you and you and you, and protect you and all your family and all the policemen in this entire world. You guys are great, and I respect you guys 100%. Thank you for your service. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> does anyone, sorry, does anyone else have any questions or anything they would like to ask him? Like if, uh, like you said, you already forgave your parents for all that stuff in the past. But like if Satan, like or something like a rolling memory comes back up in your head, they kind of get you pissed off. But then again, how do you handle that? Okay, I had to change rooms. My family just got home, and the kids are ringing the doorbell. Okay, can you repeat that question for me? Yeah. So like, uh, say there's like a troubling memory or something that you already forgave your parents for, or just anyone for in general, and say that's like comes back up in your head and it's like saying trying to piss you off or get you mad at them again how would you handle that at this point in the game i would laugh at it i just and i'm learning that through the different pastors i'm listening to other than the church that we go to but we also have some online ministers but really learning how to laugh at satan like once you understand your purpose you can't be tricked like i'm not saying i'm, I'm perfect and I'm, I'm i don't sin or anything like that what i mean is he can no longer deceive me and and get me to believe something or, or think something that i know not to be true and so I laugh at it. Like, it's funny to me. Like, you, you can't even touch me, you know? And so, again, that's like a workout as well because he, he doesn't give up. And although I'm strong, he doesn't give up and he's not going to stop. He's going to put those thoughts in there. He's going to put those seeds. He's, he's going to see which one I'm going to take. And I don't. I'm just, I'm, I'm laughing at him. 
And so you just have to remain joyful, remain peaceful, and re- remain filled and lo- filled with love. And you you'll you'll win that battle. You'll win that every time. But you have to operate in love. Love is the key. That's what I that's what I tell everybody. No, go outside, son. That's what I tell everybody: is love is the key. You have to operate that way because if you don't, that's where that stuff takes root. You got to give it to God. Be peaceful, peaceful warrior. Laugh at it, man. Operate in a state of repose, peace. You know, we often use that word in law enforcement: state of repose. You know, where you are you a peaceful person? You know, what happened uh, to your peace? How was it disturbed? You know, we're trying to look at disturb, uh, disturbing the peace, disorderly conduct. That's what he does. Satan's a disruptor. You know, he wants to come and disturb your peace while you're in a state of repose. So meditate on the cross, think positive thoughts, um, operate in love. If you're compassionate, that's half the battle. Be compassionate, you know, um, be, be compassionate, fill with love, don't give up because he's going to keep trying. So I just laugh at it. You'll find it humorous. Once you start to grow more spiritually, you'll find it humor, humorous. You'll laugh at it. He can't come at you. You're you're a child of God. We sing those songs. Let's believe them. You know, we sing the words. Let's believe them. We're child. We're children of God, of the of the Most High. I read a book, um, Footsteps of Faith, by Jean. I forget her name. Uh, Jean something. She was a Rainbow Bible graduate, a missionary field. Um, her and her husband. They go to uh, the Darien Jungle in Panama. One of the things she talks about is witchcraft is real there. Like we don't too much see supernatural things here per se there's people that have but there she says it's prevalent witch doctors she said these witch doctors will come flying in on like like magic carpets over water land in the village curse the village and then leave right on the same carpet so one of the things that she talks about is one witch doctor uh saw that they were so powerful anointed by god he used to try to hex them curse them do all this stuff and he said that there was the witch doctor gave a testimony that there was these large white figures that were guarding their house and every time he threw a curse and tried to hex them, the curse came back on him tenfold to where he started to bleed from his eyes and his ears and, and being deep in excruciating uh, pain. The same witch doctor shows up to one of their outreaches and wants to give his life to Christ. And he has to speak. He has to talk. And the, uh, the wife, Jeannie, didn't want to let him talk. But the husband said, no, the spirit said, let him talk because he was a newly converted witch doctor. He begins to talk. And what he shares is a story of... In the demonic realm or the spiritual realm, you don't see it, but you are a child of God that there's announcements that are being made. He said that literally anywhere that they went, that there was a presence or an announcement. The sons of the most high God. Here come the sons of the most high God. Like it was being shouted at such a loud interval in the spiritual realm as they begin to enter into different areas and regions. So you are you are being preceded by spiritual power and voices that you can't even hear they're announcing your presence here you come and that's how you defeat those kind of thoughts or, or you you you're powerful and once you understand how powerful you are there's no going back it's going to be funny to you he, there's announcements being made everywhere i go out there in the street every call i go to every house i step into i've been in some negative dark houses and i brought light into them just just by my presence stepping in and people are like there's something different about you that's because i'm the son of i'm the son of the most high god Mm-hmm. There's announcements being made. So think about that. Picture that everywhere you go. There's a predis- there, People are preceding you making announcements. Here he comes. Mm-hmm. Here he here she comes. You better you better get here. The, here they're, they're coming. So don't don't be terrified of him. He's terrified of you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. That I, I just envisioned <laughs> that. Yeah, I envisioned that because you know what? I. 
I try to, as as a warrior, as a son of the Most High, to always take dominion to change the atmosphere everywhere I go. You know I mean? Because they're subject yeah. to his name, not my name. But the thing is, yeah. it's Christ in me, right? Christ lives in me. Um, it's the hope of glory, right? It's I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have the mind of Christ. So um, we talked about that last week, how John G. Lake was preaching that sermon, Christ lives in me, that we need to manifest Christ. We need to let Christ vent through us. We need Christ to live through us. And how, you know, if hell had a characteristic, it's distraction. And if heaven has a characteristic, it's the presence of God. It's the love of God. It's the power of God. And it's the calm of God. And uh, I think that's just amazing because we get to bring the atmosphere of heaven everywhere we go. So that's so good. Does anyone else have anything to ask? If not, I'm going to share this one thing and then I'm going to let my brother go. Um, I believe like the Lord's been really trying to help me to understand what meekness is. And I believe this is uh, relatable to all of us, especially you, um, Dennison. You know, I was looking up what does meekness mean? Meekness is the attitude of the heart and mind that prepares the way for sanctification. If we are meek, then we are teachable. A meek and quiet spirit is very valuable to God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4. And thus it's something his followers ought to seek after. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. It's also a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5 through 22 and 23. Meekness is an incredible strength under control. And it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And I believe you represent that, Dennison, that meekness. And we all should try to bear that characteristic of Jesus, that he's meek in spirit. But meekness is not weakness, right? It's literally, it's incredible strength under control. Isn't that awesome? And then we get to just yeah. unleash the presence of God everywhere we go. <sighs> okay. Well, I, I like to um, always close out with anybody that needs prayer. Um, anybody that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. To offer that invitation, right? Because, you know, we're in a Zoom call. But... Right now, we're reaching 35 nations for Christ. So we don't know where in the world this could land. But I believe God's going to use this testimony to bring people to Jesus. So I, could you give us the honor and have someone or show someone how to have a relationship with Jesus? Yeah, I would just say that and how I kind of did it when I found him is just open up your heart. He wants to come in. So if you're out there listening, just say, Father God, you know, I know you have a son, Jesus Christ, who died and was uh, was on the cross for my sin and what I did in life because I'm not perfect. You know, I want to repent and change my ways. And I know he died on the cross and was risen three days later and is seated at the right hand next to you in the heavenly throne room. And now I have an intercessor of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I would just receive, I received Jesus Christ into my heart. 
as my Lord and my Savior. I want his authority, his power, and his strength that what he's given me here to operate and, and walk out my, my perfect, my book, your perfect will. And we just want that. We want to know you, Jesus. We want, we, we don't just want salvation. We're not just happy with going to heaven. I want to be saved, but I also want to know what you want me to do here, Father. What do you, who do you want me to speak to? How do you want me to talk? How do you want me to think? How do you want me to minister? What person do you want me to come, to become? I want to let you in. I want to let you into my heart. I want to eat with you. I want to break bread with you every day and know you personally. So come into my heart, Jesus. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for, for dying on the cross where I should have been. And thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life. And also give me authority, a purpose, a divine power here on earth to accomplish the goal and retake back our kingdom. And we, I'm just thankful for, I'm just thankful. And then just thank God for, for it's already done, you know, and, and receive it. Receive the free gift that costs nothing, but gives you everything. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. That's amazing. See, it's that simple, guys, when we have a sincere heart. It says, it says the goodness of God is what leads man to repentance. And um, if you made Jesus your Lord and you made him your Savior today, we would love you guys um, to contact us uh, through Maranatha Remnant Ministries. Um, we will have our email um, below on the link so you guys can email us and let us know if you have any prayer requests or anything, uh, any testimonies you want to share that God's done for you. Um, but let's, um, does anyone need any prayer? Anybody out there that needs prayer right now that we can come in agreement right now with my brother? Um, I would like some prayer. Okay, what do you want, Cynthia? Well, I would like to go into ministry full-time, and I was going to talk to my pastor about it on Tuesday the 28th because I have an appointment with him, and I'm worried, like, he might say and no, and I would just like some prayer for me to get into ministry full time and still be able to pay all my bills. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know, just to share, just to share something with you. You know, we never make ministry the goal. Always have Jesus at the forefront. Have that relationship so strong with Jesus, and Jesus will open the doors for you to do the ministry that he's given you. We will pray that God enlightens you, that he gives you um, direction, provision, guidance, and um, also a supply for for that will to be done. Um, but I, I always try to tell people, the ministry is, is not the goal. The goal is to have a relationship with Jesus and to give glory to his name and to declare the good news of what he's done. And I think if you stay on that path, you can never go wrong. You can never go astray. And you will literally walk into a ministry that God's given you. And you're like, how did I get here? And it's based off that fundamental, foundational platform that you need. Okay? Okay. All right. Hey, real quick, brother uh, Christian, before you pray. Cynthia, just, this just came to me as you spoke. The word I got was uh, you said fear. And fear is a spirit. So there's uh, entities that you're dealing with that you that you have to just cast them and not worry about um, impressing man which is pastor but God and to what he said also is you know if if you're truly called to ministry it'll happen um, it's not anything that you have to be overly concerned about he'll 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 put you there so just keep praying that fear off you 
and we'll pray over you right now together and unified, but don't let that spirit, that's a fear. Fear is a spirit. Don't let that um, give you doubts and you should never be about um, what your pastor is going to say or think because ultimately he's a man led by God. Impress your father who's in heaven and everything's going to fall into place. All right. Oh, thank you. Okay. So, um, just so, mm-hmm. Cynthia, if you can mute, I'm going to have uh, Dennison pray for you and then dis- and then close us out, if you could. Yes, sir. All right. Father God, I want to lift, lift up our sister Cynthia to you, Father. I want you to speak to her heart, Jesus. Uh, she has a heart for ministry. Uh, she has a heart to serve you. She has a heart to preach and teach the word and help others. So I want to pray um, a hedge of protection around her. I want that spirit of fear off of my sister. Satan, you cannot come near her. You you cannot tell her anything. She knows her purpose. She knows what she wants to do. She surrendered to God. She's a child of the Most High, and and she's not afraid of you anymore. She's not afraid of what a man will think, what people will think. She knows what her heart is saying and what God is communicating to her. So you have to leave her now. You have to go. You can no longer whisper to her anymore. You're gone in Jesus Christ's name. I pray over this meeting. I pray for a divine wisdom in this meeting on all involved, from the pastor to Cynthia. I pray for you to be a part of this meeting. What What do you want done? Is it to be a ministry in this church? Is it to be somewhere else? You, you never know what God may want, Cynthia, so be open to that. When he speaks to you and tells you, be open to that. It may be somewhere else. Um, but I want your divine um, guidance over this meeting. We give it to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we want you in this meeting. Communicate to both involved. They're both believers. And if they're truly seeking you, they're going to hear your will. They're going to hear what you want done in this kingdom, in, in this church, in this body, and wherever this station is located, and what, what territories need to be taken over for demonic forces. Because that's what it's about, Cynthia. You sign up for war. So get ready for it. You're getting ready to go to battle. If you want to go into ministry, once you accept that Jesus, you're in war. But if you go into ministry, you're going to be you're going into the front lines. So get ready and prepare yourself for battle. Put on the full armor of God every day. And get ready, okay? Because this meeting, it's going to be more than just this meeting. God has a plan. He's going to anoint you. He's going to put power on you like no other. You're going to speak the word like no other. You're going to share words of wisdom. You're going to encourage women around the world to rise up. You're going to you're going to be doing amazing things. And it may not be from the pulpit like you think. So just be open to that. Be open to what God would have. But we pray a blessing upon you. There's no more fear that can come against you. You are covered by the blood of Jesus. And this meeting will be supernaturally protected. So we pray that over over our sister Cynthia in Jesus Christ's name. Father, I want to thank you for this time tonight to come together as believers. The word says where the two or more are gathered, you are here. I've definitely felt your presence in this in this meeting tonight and worship. Um, I was in such a state of peace prior to talking. I could feel you over here. And I, I just love coming together as believers. We are so protected and so anointed when we come together like this. We're feeding each other spiritual food, soul food, and you're smiling down upon us as we are coming together as a family not even truly knowing one another. I, I, I just know my brothers and sisters through the Spirit. Never met anybody on here besides my brother and sister at church, but I can feel the connection through the Holy Spirit. And that's what I love about you. We're all family. We're all in this together. We thank you for this time. Thank you for Christian in his heart and hosting hosting a podcast like this. My brother's changing the world. He's doing your work. He's about his father's business. He's raising up people. He's teaching people. He's leading people. He's compassionate. He is truly the heart of Christ. And I love that. I'm encouraged by my brother. So thank you for this podcast. We pray protection over moving forward and even more nations are reached and even more people come to know you. And we just want to pray for your blessings every day. Minister to everyone here tonight, Father. 
Later after we leave, Satan will come and try to steal the seed. It's not going anywhere. They're going to get in their word. They're going to write some affirmations down. They're going to confess what they want to see in their life. And they're going to speak boldly because they are the child of God, the son of the most high. So we love you, Jesus. Thank you for everything. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Glory to God. That's so good. Before we let you go, I want to pray over you. So everyone that's here, stretch out your hand towards our brother Dennison right now. Just stretch out your hands right there. I love the Holy Spirit because he's omnipresent. There's no time, no difference. Father, we come to you. We thank you for your amazing grace that's transformed my brother's life. We thank you for this, the, the power of your mercy and the compassion and love that you have for him and the mighty call that you've given him, Lord, that this is not the end. This is just the beginning, Lord, that Lord God, he's that plane that's that's just riding on, on the tarmac, Lord God, but you're going to give him the acceleration to take off, Lord, that Lord God, he's going to go into a different place with you, a deeper, intimate relationship with you, Lord. I ask, Lord God, whatever he puts his hand to in your name, Lord God, that it shall prosper 100-fold. That, Lord God, you rebuke the devourer for his sake. That, Lord God, you protect the finances, his increase, Lord God, but also protect his family, but also protect the ministry that you've called him to do, Lord. That, Lord God, when he uh, gets this book edited, Lord God, and final and starts publishing out, Lord God, that it would minister and impact so many people for your kingdom, Father. Lord God, it says to first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto us. Lord God, I ask, Lord God, that you would fill him and give him a fresh anointing for this upcoming season. That, Lord God, you told me about a month or two ago, Lord God, that his time is now. So, Lord God, give him the, the, the equipment. Uh, help him to align his heart with your heart, Father, and that he would see the vision that you have for him. Lord God, I ask that, Lord God, every time he would step into a building, that they would feel the presence of God there. That he would be a light in the darkness. Assist to shine your light before all men by your good works. May glorify your Father in heaven. Lord God, I pray that you'd bless his ministry. That you'd bless, that you'd bless his wife's ministry. That you'd bless his children and his children's children, Lord God with long life, that, Lord God, they'd be covenant keepers, Lord God, and they'd be faithful just as you are faithful. So, Lord God, we just give you the glory and the honor and the power and praise. And what an honor that we get to co-partner with you and co-labor in the field, the Lord of harvest, the Lord of Sabbath. And we give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Woo! Man. All right. So good. Thank you for joining. Let's all give them applause. Wow, that was amazing. That was so good. So good. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love you guys. I haven't met it. Um, let me see. Am I on mute? No, I'm off. I love you guys. I haven't met most of you, but I love you guys. We're all doing it together. We're not alone. So just remember that. I love you guys. All right. Love you too, brother. God bless. Have a good night. Yeah. I'll see you Sunday. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Bye. The recording has stopped.